This is the Fair Catch Kick Fantasy Football Podcast, named affectionately after the best rule in football. I'm here with my co-host, Anthony LaFerry, an award-winning sports reporter from Long Island, New York. And my partner in crime is Paul Stoltz, so he does not have to brag about himself. He is a former professional kicker, also a collegiate kicker. He's got five years of experience, came pretty darn close to making it, but Goskowski kind of took a job from him that should have rightfully been his. In, in my time playing, you know, collegiate and pro ball, I spent more time in an offensive film room because they didn't know where to put me. Special teams film only takes two, you know, two minutes to review. So I spent way more time than I ever could have imagined learning schematically football from the offensive perspective. So it's, it's been interesting trying to apply it as a science to fantasy football but anyway we're coming at you with 15 minutes of fantasy football fire sometimes more if LaFrey gets lost on one of his ridiculous Italian old man rants if you didn't catch our first episode we did our rankings one through five available on our channel this episode we're ranking our six through ten using ESPN standard PPR scoring so without further ado LaFrey who you got at number six at number six I've got Alvin Kamara. I know he's a bit higher up on most draft boards. I kind of feel he belongs in that six range. I feel the four backs I had ahead of him were just more of sure things than Kamara. However, I do feel he could be a great bounce back candidate in that offense in New Orleans. There's nobody outside of Michael Thomas I particularly like. I could kind of see Kamara as a result of everything falling to the end of the first round, and that's where you pounce. And honestly, I think the best thing that could happen to him is maybe he gets replaced as the starter because, let's face facts, Sean Payton is screwy with his running backs. He never likes to give the best back in his offense all the carries. He likes to spread the wealth. And he was kind of better in that secondary role where Mark Ingram was kind of the lead dog. Last year, he was dealing with two things. Number one was the injury woes early with the high ankle sprain. And we've seen it before when, when, when players get the high ankle sprain early in a season, they try, they always say, Oh, it's two to four weeks. It should really be four to six weeks. And nobody comes back full go that system though, by the way, I, I didn't even mention Kamara is also my number six, which is why I'm running with this in support of you. Peyton runs the sort of hybrid zone scheme with the offensive line which allows Kamara to slip out of the backfield easier and find holes. It really helps out the screen game. I always like to talk about the offensive line. They re-signed Andrews Pete, and they drafted Cesar Ruiz to replace Larry Warford at right guard. Right guard is always the position I sort of look at when I'm determining can somebody run between the tackles. They don't love to do that with Kamara, but he is elusive. He is slippery. And he was the RB4, I believe, in his first two seasons prior to last year with the injury. So, And one other thing I just wanted to mention about Kamari, you do mention his elusiveness, which is elite. But he, he's not a pure finesse back. You know, he can bring the pain a little bit, too. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement there. So we'll keep the snake style going at my number seven. I'm going with the guy that was your number four in Michael Thomas. He did it with Drew Brees. He did it with Bridgewater. There is not a better 
player for PPR, 150-whatever catches last year. We don't have to get into him too much because we covered him in the first episode. But Michael Thomas is the – I'll give a little spoiler – lone receiver that I have that I believe warrants a top 10 pick this year. I'm surprised you only put one receiver in the top 10, but if you had to put one, I think Michael Thomas is it. I think all things considered next to McCaffrey, he is the safest bet in fantasy football at any position. So my number seven, I'm going to go with the guy that you had in your top five that I didn't King Henry, Derek Henry himself. I have him high, but I do want to warn you all to exercise a little bit of caution here. He's really only been this monster for the end of last season and the playoffs and football media. And I can tell you from experience because I'm in it is highly, highly overreactive. One good performance, one good season. And all of a sudden someone's the greatest guy in the world. Look at Pat Mahomes. People are already putting him in the hall of fame saying he doesn't have to play another down. But I like his talent. I wish he'd catch the ball a little better. And I'm also worried because the Titans can only win a certain way. If they fall behind, they're not going to win. If they fall behind, Henry's not going to catch the ball as much. He's not going to be as effective. So buyer beware, but, you know, it's still there. Yeah, I mean, that is the argument against Henry is that he's been a late season blossom. And it's now two seasons in a row. But look, if that stays consistent, that's when playoff time is. I will counter with you on one piece, which is that the first half of the season, I believe it was the first nine games, he still had eight touchdowns. Two actually were were receiving, although you don't want to be reliant on Derrick Henry to receiving purposes. But as I said in the first episode, from, from a pure volume basis, I don't know if anybody gets more handoffs, more carries than Derrick Henry does. My number eight is... DeAndre Hopkins. I love DeAndre Hopkins. Talent- we know. We know. You love uh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Talent-wise, he's right there with Michael Thomas. It's just he's not going to be in an offense that's solely, solely reliant upon him. He's for real. Kyler Murray, more importantly, is for real. I wasn't a big believer in him right off the bat, but I believe he's got all the tools. I think there's a possibility Hopkins could be even better with him compared to Deshaun Watson. I I really just believe he's the best receiver in the game of football at the moment, which leads me to my real-life point of Bill O'Brien is just really, really dumb. I mean, what did he get for him? A second-round pick? Bill O'Brien was also just ranked as the number 32 out of 32 NFL head coaches. In fact, he is worth, as far as Vegas lines goes, he's worth – Worth negative one and a half points towards the spread. It should be more. I'm surprised it's that much. And quite frankly, if I were Deshaun Watson, after he allowed Hopkins to be traded, I would have went right into the owner's office and I would have said, O'Brien's going or trade me. It's him or me. You got to make up your mind. He can't win in the playoffs. He's mismanaged the roster. He makes Jason Garrett look like Vince Lombardi. God help us all. So, look, I'm in agreement with you. DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, I think are the two most talented receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is, I said at the last episode, the most physical route runner. 
But my, my not having DeAndre Hopkins, even in my top 10, is, is more a product of the running backs are going to go quickly off the board. I would wait to round two to get maybe a – maybe DeAndre's not there, but maybe Julio's there. You can still get a, a really high wide receiver talent, but lock up that first round running back. That's going to be my, my strategy. So my number eight is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb led the league last year in 100-yard games. I believe that touchdowns are very much a function of situation, and situation can be very arbitrary, right? Nick Chubb's ability or Aaron Jones's ability or Alvin Kamara's ability to have a first and goal carry from the two-yard line is not a function of them. It's just a function of where did the offense get tackled, right? So I don't like to rely on touch, pure touchdown numbers a lot. I like to rely on volume and who's going to get the touches and who's going to get 100-yard games. And Nick Chubb showed that last year. He also caught 36 balls. The offensive line after losing Kevin Zeitler last year was in a bit of disarray. They went and added Jack Conklin from the Titans, who was a phenomenal tackle last year. They also added Jedrick Wills in the draft, who was one of the clear-cut top four offensive linemen. Nick Chubb's versatile. He's a safe pick. He can run around you. He can run through you. I just think he's a safe top 10 pick. That's a sound thing. It's, it's just tough for me to put over the Cleveland Browns in any way, shape, or form. This isn't draft day, dude, but he should be okay. <laughs> I, like I said, that, that offensive line is finally solidified. So I, I, I'm a believer that they're going to have him being able to run outside the tackles. Most of his stuff last year was inside the tackles. So my number nine is a player that I think you and I have debated for the last three years. Joe Mixon, you know I think he is absolutely all-world talented, but he made me look like an absolute moron last year where it took him 10 games to find the freaking end zone. I think he did catch a couple touchdowns, which you shouldn't rely on because Gio Bernard definitely took over that third down role last year. When Zach Taylor made adjustments to the offensive line last year around week 10, Joe Mixon was the RB3 in the final seven weeks. The other element of this is that Jonah Williams, who was their first-round pick last year, was out for the entire year. He was there, supposed to be their starting left tackle. He is being slotted back in. They're saying that he's healthy. Bobby Hart is a problem at right tackle, and I don't mean a problem in a good way. I mean problem in I don't know if he can block anybody coming off the edge. But Flowers. Oh, God, don't even get me started on Eric Flowers. <laughs> but Joe Mixon is an all-world talent, and few people show more patience and burst through the holes. Well, you're going to be surprised, buddy, because I put Joe Mixon at number nine. I'm, I'm not going to go much into it. I know you did a really good job summing him up, and just to mention how frustrating he was last year, uh, Paul and I were in a league together, partnered up. We made it to the finals. We were sitting, what were we, at pick four, Paul? Uh, not four. I, I wouldn't have made you take him that early, but I definitely pushed on you. Yeah, it was five. late. It was late. I think it was pick eight in a, in a, in a 10-team league, and Zeke was there, and I was pounding the table for Zeke. I was like, he's going to report, dude. you got to trust me. I know what I'm talking about. And Paul won out, and we got Mixon, and 
we took a lot of chances. Ironically, the one chance we didn't take kind of bit us in, in the hiney there, but we still got to the finals. We still collected some dough. Mixon can't be any worse than he was last year. <laughs> that, I suppose, leads us to my number 10, Devontae Adams. What other receivers are there in, in Green Bay? Is Geronimo still there? Geronimo Allison. Yeah, I mean, I, the guy I like in, in Green Bay is uh, Alan Lazard. He's 6'4". He can – Rodgers likes to throw a bit of a jump ball down the field. But, look, he's a far second to Devontae Adams. That's my point. Nobody else can catch the ball in Green Bay. It's like Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams are Aaron Rodgers' three main targets. Maybe Jordan Love. I don't – I honestly, I don't know. But – I will tell you one thing, speaking of Jordan Love, be prepared to see him sooner than you think. Maybe not this season, but definitely next season. I think we're going to see Jordan Love. But as far as Devontae is concerned, I honestly don't care. The guy is an elite talent. He's going to probably get the second most targets in the NFL behind Michael Thomas. I kind of put him talent-wise, you know, somewhere maybe a little behind Julio Jones. Julio's probably a little better, but... Julio has Calvin Ridley to contend for targets, and Adams doesn't. So I'm going to put Devontae Adams ahead of him. Yeah, again, I can't argue with Devontae Adams. He's one of my favorite receivers. I drafted him actually in the first round of one of my leagues last year. Talent-wise, he's a top 10 to 12 talent receiver, but because he's in the Aaron Rodgers offense – he is my number two or three receiver that will be revealed on a subsequent episode. I can't argue with it. My only argument is I think running backs get thin too quickly. So I'm keen on taking a running back right up front and then waiting on a second or third round wide receiver. That's fair. And just one other point I want to make is Aaron Rodgers should thank his lucky stars. I used my weekly rant on Bill O'Brien but Aaron, your day is coming, I assure you. You are going to get the full-blown LaFrary rant soon enough. <laughs> My number 10 is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs had 1,150 yards in only 13 games last year. So he would have projected to be the third leading rusher, maybe second leading rusher, with a full season under his belt. The Raiders' offensive line is returning all five starters. That is, as a team that has been in so much disarray over the past several years, the offensive line has generally been at least somewhat of a strong point. They've been pretty consistent. You know, Richie Incognito isn't exactly known for being a consistent player, but he definitely knows the game and keeps everybody fired up. Josh Jacobs reminds me of sort of an early career Doug Martin with more power, and he has a little bit more of an ability on the goal line and and between the tackles than Doug Martin did. But I I like Josh Jacobs as a second-year guy to really break out into that true first tier of running backs this year. Well, I think that's a pretty bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how that one plays out. Everything you said makes a heck of a lot of sense. I did not know about the lineman. I think that's really a fantastic point. I think – To have him there in rankings is a good idea. I don't know if he's going to go that early, but that's a guy that if you could get him in the second, third round, that could be a guy that people will laugh at you as you make that pick, but you'll be the one getting the last laugh perhaps. 
All right. Well, appreciate you guys tuning in. Next episode is going to be our rankings 11 through 15. We're going to do 11 through 15, 16 through 20. And then we are going to transition over to quarterback rankings. And before we sign out, I would just like to mention to follow us on social media. We have an Instagram and Twitter account called FCK Podcast. And you also might want to plug the website we just started that you toiled into the wee small hours last night building from scratch. So we do have a website now, uh, www.fckpodcast.com. Take a look at it. You got some ridiculous pictures of me and Anthony on there. So at least you'll laugh at that. Okay. So this was episode two of the FCK podcast. And we'll see you around for episode three. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.